Today's scripture reading comes from Isaiah 40, verses 1 through 11. If you have a Bible, we would love for you to follow along with us. If you don't have a Bible, we would love to give you one. So please feel free to grab one in the vestibule on your way out if you don't have one. Again, our reading is from Isaiah 40, verses 1 through 11. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended that her iniquity is pardoned, that she is received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries, in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry, and I said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Go up high to a, go up onto a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Behold, the Lord God comes with might, and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. This is the word of the Lord. You can be seated. Well, again, good morning and welcome to the Olathe Campus of Christ Community Church. My name is Nathan. Uh, it's good to be with you. And whatever has brought you to this, this space this morning, uh, whatever you carry with you, uh, the good things and the bad, uh, whether you believe along with us or have lots of questions, like, well, all of us, right? Uh, regardless, we are really, really glad that you've chosen to be here this morning. Let me pray for us and then we'll look at these ancient words together. Father, um, we need you to take these words and root them deep within our hearts. Do it in ways that we can't, we can't muster on our own. Um, God, I pray that you would speak comfort uh, to your people. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. I was devastated. And I know it's, it seems extreme, right? It's, especially given the circumstances, it really wasn't that big of a deal. Uh, but I, I had been waiting for this one day for like two years. Uh, we, we'd left home for this. Uh, we, we'd, we'd planned uh, like our entire trip around this one day, and it was ruined. We were in uh, Glacier Bay National Park in Alaska. It's a kind of a once-in-a-lifetime sort of, sort of place. I mean, just un- unbelievable. Like, it's supposed to, be, supposed to be like one of the most beautiful places anywhere, and we had one day there, just one. And it's not exactly easy to get to. I mean, you can only really visit, for the most part, by, by boat. And so I, I mean, I was so excited to see, I got up at like 5 a.m. on vacation, okay, because I didn't want to miss a second. I snuck out of our room, and when I stepped outside, oh, I was welcomed with like drizzling rain, icy cold, and the densest fog I have ever seen. I mean, I didn't even know they made fog like they make in that part of the world. I mean, it's unbelievable, right? You could not see anything. And I'm like, well, great, right? 
like all this beauty around me and I could see none of it, right? And I, and I know, like, it's just vacation. Stop whining, Nathan. You know, people have real problems. I, I get that, okay? Uh, but I had done so much planning. We'd save for years to do this and my expectations were on the floor. And I know it doesn't matter, but it kind of does, right? Because you and I, like, we make plans all the time. And every one of us has expectations on how our lives ought to go, how they ought to look. And we do our best. And sometimes we even get away with sort of faking it for a while. And then the fog rolls in. And a relationship crumbles, or a career, your, your health, or you have to relocate. Or maybe it's a, it's a problem that you experienced with, with your children growing up, or maybe it's something inside you. Sometimes we bring it on ourselves. Sometimes it just seems to happen. In fact, some of you right now, like if you're honest, like you are sitting in a fog and you just want to go home. Not unlike the people of Israel way back when. But last week, we began a new series as we enter into Advent and the Christmas season together. We're calling it Coming Home. Home is this, this metaphor for, for comfort, for peace, for joy, right? And that's so much of what the, the prophet Isaiah uh, is about. And so Isaiah, yes, we, we started this last week, but let me kind of catch you up a little bit. So turn, turn to Isaiah if you have a Bible with you. Um, if you have trouble finding it, it's just like right in the middle and then go to the right a little bit uh, and you'll find it. It's a pretty long book. But, but Isaiah the prophet, he's writing roughly like 700 years before Jesus. So we're talking like this is a long time ago. And he does most of his prophetic work, his writing, uh, roughly between 740 and 681 BC. And he, he writes about a time when God's people are in all-out rebellion against him. I mean, it's just, it is ugly everywhere you go for God's people. Like, they've just, they've rejected God. And so, so by this point, the, the kingdom of Israel has already split in two. So you've got two nations. You've got Israel in the north, and you've got Judah in the south. And then in, in 722, Isaiah saw this. Like the Israelites to the north, that nation, those, that group of God's people were destroyed and, and forced from their home by the Assyrians to the north. I mean, that'd be sort of like if Nebraska was taken over by Canada. It'd be a big deal, eh? Right? And we'd all be speaking like that soon, right? And Isaiah, he saw all of this and he's, he knows what's coming for them. Like, eventually, things are going to get bad for God's people because they have rejected him. And so the, for the first 39 chapters of the book, last week was chapter 1. It was really just kind of a summary of the entire first half of Isaiah. The first 39 chapters are warnings and judgment. And what do God's people do? Same thing you and I tend to do when the fog comes in, Right? Like we look for ways to comfort ourselves. And you and I, we, we self-medicate with food or sex or vacation. I mean, the crazy thing about being human is we can, like, we can either overwork or struggle to get out of bed. Like we can turn to, to power and control or just denial and distraction. Even the holidays. Right? That mentality that lives within each one of us. Treat yourself, right? 
as if it's going to make it all go away. And we always want just a little bit more. I mean, chances are you are here today looking for comfort. And chances are, if you are anything like me, you spend much of your life looking for it in all the wrong places. Great. Uh, Merry Christmas to you too, Nathan. Um, like, really? This is what we're doing for Advent? This is so bleak. It's so, it's so dark. Well, wait, wait for it. Because Isaiah is actually, as difficult as those first 39 chapters are, Isaiah is actually one of my absolute favorite books in the Bible. In fact, the last time we preached through Isaiah, um, it was in 2006. It's Advent. It was our very first sermon series preached in Olathe as Christ Community. Brand new, right? And the reason, the reason I remember that, I can't even remember what I preached last week, um, but the reason I remember that is because we were pregnant with our oldest, David. And because of that series, we ended up naming him David Isaiah. Because Isaiah, like that name literally means God is salvation. Our God is the one who saves. And when you get to chapter 40, everything changes. In chapter 40, Isaiah begins writing to the people as if they'd already been exiled, like they've already been destroyed, kicked out of their homes. He's writing as if that's already happened. Imagine the devastation that that would be. And the first words out of God's mouth is comfort. Even in the bleakest of times, God speaks comfort. Even when we run from him, God chases us down with comfort. And if you take just one thing with you this morning, I hope it's this. Only God has the comfort you need. Only God has the comfort you need. And when God speaks comfort to our wounded souls, even if our circumstances don't change, the fog begins to lift. So let's, let's take a look at the poetry here. It's a poem, right? So it's a little bit different, kind of entering into the text. The language is just, it's a, it's a poem, right? Uh, okay, and so the, the first thing that we see here is that our, our homeless hearts long for comfort. And I don't, I don't think we have to, like, spend a ton of time there. Like, we know that. Like, you and I, whether you believe this stuff or not, like, we know there is something within us that is longing for more, that longs for comfort. And we did a great job last week kind of setting the stage of how we've left home and as a result, we are left longing. And so imagine what it would be like then for God's people to hear these words. Like they know they've brought it on themselves. They know that they've rebelled against God. And like that's like the worst, isn't it? When you know like something, something bad is happening and you know you've brought it on yourself. Like the shame of that. And so in verse one, God says, comfort, comfort my people says your God. Now, there are two ways we tend to use that word comfort, right? Like one is about ease, the absence of pain, a comfortable life, right? Like, let's just be clear, like that is not what God is promising in Isaiah. Okay, nowhere does God promise that to his people, not, not this side. Like world, the world is too broken, we're too broken. Like it's, it's not just a comfortable, easy life that's on the table, 
Like this comfort, the comfort that Isaiah speaks of, the comfort that God is speaking to his people, it's like, it's like when you've had the worst day at school and your mom just holds you. It's like when you feel everything in your life, everything that matters most to you crumbling around you and that good friend just sits quietly with you. It's like those, those raw moments where you feel the homelessness inside you. And even if it's just for a moment, you sense God's presence and he encourages you. And then in, in verse 2, God speaks through Isaiah. He says, speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned. I mean, there's a lot there, right? Just, so this, this word for warfare, um, it's, it's like, um, like forced military service is the idea of that word. So it's, it's worse than even just regular war. It's like the draft, like, every, like, no choice about it. Like, the things are so bad, everyone is forced into this battle. And their warfare, God says, like, the, the brutality of the world around us, all that is wrong in our lives, in our world, what God is saying is, like, one day, it's going to be over. One day, all that will be in the past. It'll be a distant memory. And pardon for all iniquity. Like, not just the stuff that's wrong around us. Like, all that's wrong within us. That God speaks forgiveness, grace, mercy, redemption. And then verse 3, a voice cries, In the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Now, pardon me, I read that. I'm like, wait, what? You're going to raise up all the valleys? crush down all the mountains? I mean, you're going to turn Colorado into Kansas and make a highway? Like, that seems like a terrible idea, God. Don't, like, don't do that, right? We have enough of that. But like, I mean, it's just a metaphor, of course, but think about that. Like, if you've driven through the mountains and compared it to driving on I-70 in Kansas, like, it's a big difference, right? And these are people that, like, they're walking through that terrain, like a huge group of them. And so what God is saying is that when I come for you, when I come to, to bring you home, when I come to make my home with you, I'm going to tear down every obstacle, anything that gets in the way, any, anything that could possibly slow, slow us down. It's out. It's past. It's over. I will break it down. In fact, these are, these are the same words that the Gospel of Luke 700 years later picks up on and talks about John the Baptist as, as the one who has this voice from the wilderness crying out, make way for the Lord, as Jesus himself, God himself, comes to get us, to make his home with us. And just as Isaiah said, we see his glory. And because of the warfare and pain in our world, the heartache, because of our sin and shame, regardless of what you believe, our homeless hearts long for comfort. We long for it. We want it so badly. And here's, here's the second thing. Yeah, we want it. But only God can speak the words we long to hear. Only God can speak the words 
we long to hear. Let me tell you, though, I turn to just about any other voice, any other thing, right? Anything but God to give me comfort in those moments of real desperation, right? You too? I mean, we, we do that. It's not, it's not that those other things can't comfort us. Some of them are good things. It's just that that comfort can't last. It's, it's not meant to. In fact, look at, look at verse 6 as the poem continues. A voice says, cry. And I said, what shall I cry? All flesh, like that's us, right? All people are grass. And all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. It's kind of dark, right? That's the comparison. You and I are like grass. Well, if you think about it, we're here today, gone tomorrow, prone to error and weakness. I mean, this, this is part of the fog that, that we live in. Every one of us here is dying already. All of us. We know it and we hate it. And our, our beauty that he mentions there is probably better translated as like faithfulness. He says it's like a flower. Which, yeah, okay, flowers are nice, right? But what he's pushing at is that they're, they're fickle and they're ultimately unreliable. And I, and I think what, what Isaiah is trying to do here is like, like, yes, the other dying people around us can, can empathize with us. They can speak words of, of kindness to us. But none of us can fix it. Because we're in the same boat, right? We're all, we're all moving in that direction. We can taste comfort, but we long for the meal. And then there's God, Isaiah says. It's a pretty big contrast, right? Then there's grass, that's us. And, and then there's God, and he says what God says stands forever. Because anybody, anybody can say comfort, right? Anybody can tell you it's, it's going to be okay, right? We do that all the time. Like, we know, right? We know nothing. But we say, we say that. But when God, when God speaks it, like, he can be trusted, is what Isaiah is saying. I mean, it all, it all depends on, on who says it, right? I mean, it reminds me of a time when our kids were little. Um, Eden hurt herself. We were, uh, she and I were on the main level. Kelly was uh, upstairs. I don't know where David was. Maybe he's the one who hurt her. I don't know. Um, it's possible. But she, she was at like the, the foot of the stairs and she's just like sobbing uncontrollably and she's calling out, mom, like upstairs, right? And I'm literally like three feet away, okay? So I'm like, you know, I got this. Um, and I, I, I go over and I try to start to like comfort. I'm like, oh, honey, how you doing? You know, what's happened? You know, doing that, that thing, right? Um, and she, you know, she stopped crying for like a second. She looked, she looks me dead in the face and with disdain in her voice, she just says, I want mom, right? <laughs> go, all right. Like, cause she knows. Like, she knows where the comfort is found in our house. She knows, and the reality is like every time you and I, and we do this, right? We're going to do it later today. 
Every time we turn to shopping or food or alcohol or family or vacation or work or Netflix or whatever, whenever we turn to those things, what we're, what we're saying in those moments is, I want God. But this will do. This is easier. It's faster. It'll give me a taste. And listen, I need this reminder because one of, my, one of my biggest personal faith struggles is just how slow God is all the time. Like, and I, I don't mean any disrespect, but like, I mean, you know what I'm talking about? Like, you know, the things that you've been wanting or, or praying about or longing for for so long, and it, do you ever feel like, like he's just forgotten? Like he's forgotten us, like just left us here? And, and so passages like this, like on the one hand, they infuriate me because it's like, oh, grass, great, thanks. Um, but on the other hand, they, they do help me. Because I need that reminder, like, oh, oh yeah, I'm, the grand scheme, I'm here for a second. God is forever. And, and even, even though everything for me, right, and for you, it's all, we live in the now. Everything is immediate for us. Tomorrow, who cares, right? What about now? And yet we have a God who sees the whole picture all at once. I mean, think of it, think of it this way. I mean, let's say Isaiah wrote these words of comfort around 686 B.C. It'd be another hundred years before they'd even be exiled. Another 50 after that until they would return from exile. 550 more until Jesus. And here we are 2,000 years later. And I get mad at God for not answering my request from six days ago. Or six years ago. This is a hard... This is a hard deal, people, but the reality is God's clock works different than ours. And when he promises comfort, it doesn't mean that it's going to happen anytime soon. It didn't for them. And it may not for us. We may not be able to experience the fullness of God's comfort in our lifetimes. We might die in the fog. but you will experience it. Because what Isaiah is saying here is that when God says comfort, when he says peace, when he speaks forgiveness, when he says your life matters and your regrets do not define you, when God speaks comfort to us, even if you have to wait for it, you can bet your life on it. Because his word stands firm forever. Only he has the comfort you need. And when he speaks comfort, everything changes. Even if it doesn't, right? I mean, that's, that's the last thing. Like, everything changes, even if nothing in our circumstance changes when God speaks comfort. I mean, listen, listen to what Isaiah says, right? Like if God says comfort, and we actually believe it, we believe these words, that, they, that God is speaking them to us, what are we supposed to do about it? He says, go up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not, say to the cities of Judah, behold your God, look at him. Behold, the Lord God comes with might and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. 
He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. Their circumstances haven't even begun to change yet. There's a good chance yours haven't either. And if God is speaking these words to us, if we're listening, I think there's two responses that are necessary for his people. Two responses. The first is probably fairly obvious. It's not very easy, but it's obvious. It's like, be comforted. Right? If, if God is actually speaking, we, if we believe this, then find your comfort here. That, that Christmas is a promise that God will put one day put an end to all of our sorrow and all of our shame, that the fog will actually lift. And what's, I mean, what's so amazing in these verses, I don't know if you, did you notice it? Like there's, there's two pictures of this one God in these last two verses. And they, they seem completely contradictory. Like it's almost, it's almost ridiculous. And yet out of the same breath, Isaiah says, this is who he is. And he even says, look at him, behold him, don't miss him. That our God is a fierce warrior and a tender shepherd. Do you see that? Our God is a fierce warrior with strength and power. Like nothing can stop him and he fights for you. But he's also a tender shepherd. Longing to carry us in his arms like a lamb. I mean, the, the image right there is like there's a, there's an, he has an arm to rule and an arm to carry. And if that's, I mean, that, that's who we need, right? Like if you have one without the other, it's not enough, right? We need a, a God who can actually do something about it. So when he says comfort, we know that we can trust him that he will one day make it right. But we also need a God who's close enough to us, who knows what we need, who doesn't just look down from afar, but, but knows our deepest longings, knows the pain and suffering that we experience, who knows what we need, so let him comfort you. Well, how? Well, I think for me it begins with identifying those pseudo-comforts that I always run to. I mean, for, for Judah, they, they run to Egypt. Save us, Egypt! It's going to be bad, right? And they, they, they start worshiping these other gods, these, these false gods, these, these idols. Like, they're running to all these kind of things. Like, we do the same. Like, do you know the things that you run to when you're angry or sad or fearful or overwhelmed? Like, whatever negative, where do you go to find comfort? Often those are good things. They're just not ultimate things. They can't, they can't give you everything that you've been looking for. And I, ha- I mean, I have to remind myself all the time, this is not going to give me what I want. It may be good, but it's not going to do it. Not this time. I've tried too many times. Like, I know, I know by now that it's not ultimately going to satisfy. And maybe, maybe just a, something to help you along the way there is when you identify those things and you're in those places, maybe deny yourself once in a while. Don't let yourself have it so that you feel it. So that you're forced to turn to the one, the only one who truly has what we truly need. And part of that means we have to daily, daily tell ourselves remind ourselves of the one who can satisfy. I mean, if you want the comfort offered here, and I think we all do, like, like we have to meditate on these words. I mean, maybe for some of us, like, memorize Isaiah 40 this Advent season. Read the Bible regularly. Pray to him daily. I mean, God wants to speak comfort to you, but some of us are too busy. 
too distracted or we live our lives too loud and too fast-paced to actually even hear his voice. He wants to speak it to you. Enter these places of comfort and be comforted. And the second response? So be comforted and be comfort. Be his comfort for others. Climb a mountain, he says. Go to the rooftops. Lift up your voice, you herald of good news, and, and tell the world, he said, like, we have what you're searching for. I mean, think about that. Like, look around. Everyone is looking. Everyone. You, you hear it in every song. You see it in every show. It's, it's behind every conversation, right? And you're not going to, like, success is not going to do it for you. The perfect family, if you can even achieve that, is not going to do it for you. Like, whatever, whatever it is, it's not going to be under the tree. And we're, we're all looking for it. And yet, even, even Google doesn't know where to search. But you do. You do. If you're with Jesus. With grace and humility and patience. Like we can say to the world around us, there is comfort here. Where else are you going to find that? The thing that we are desperate most for, people we have. And we get to share it with the people around us. Who will you tell? Who will you comfort? You know, it's just probably a tiny bit easier in our culture around Christmas, right? To say, why don't you come to church with me? Or maybe to share what, what does the Christmas story mean to you really? To share that with somebody. There's comfort here and we can shout it out. A couple weeks ago, uh, after services, Kelly and I were chatting with a dear friend of ours, um, a woman who's been a part of our church family from really from the very beginning. A dear lady. Um, and she's someone who has suffered lot. Um, and in fact, like there's very little in her life that you would look at and say, this is how she would have planned it, right? If she was writing the story of her life, it wouldn't look like this. And it, you know, and I have, I have no doubt like that she's prayed countless times for the fog to lift, to be over, to be done with, for the light to shine in. And you know, I'm trying to comfort her, Right, that's what pastors do, as if I know anything about real suffering, honestly. And she just stopped me, and she just said, you know, he's never let me down. God has never let me down. I tell you what, I could list out for you all the ways in which it sure looks like God has let her down. But from her perspective, as a person who's learned to hear his voice of comfort, It's not her experience. Comfort, comfort, my child, is the voice she hears. And friends, our God doesn't just speak comfort from, a, from afar. I mean, that's what we celebrate this Christmas, right? Is that Jesus, God himself, came to this earth. He doesn't just look down at us in our sufferings and our pain, but he knows what it's like, right? He left the comforts of home, the comforts of heaven to come and get us, to make a way for us. He suffered so that we could be healed, he took upon our sins so we could be forgiven. He died so that we could live. And he longs to speak comfort to you. Maybe for the very first time for some of you. I mean, maybe, maybe, like you know you're looking for something and maybe, maybe the old ways, the old things that you've turned to, they're just not panning out. Comfort is knocking on your door. 
Maybe today is the day you hear his silent voice and let him in. And then I realize for others of you, maybe it's the 10,000th time you've gone looking, asking him for comfort. But I pray that today you would, you would experience it new and alive in this, this Advent season. There'd be something fresh for you in his comforting presence. Because there, there I was on that stupid boat in that stupid fog. I mean, it's so dumb. So dumb, right? But I, I, was, I, I was just devastated by it, right? Because it was like I felt so, so blind and powerless. I mean, it's nothing compared to what so many of you are, are carrying. And yet the boat kept moving deeper and deeper in, right? And I'm just like, whatever. Um, so we went and had breakfast together. Dad in a lousy mood, which is super fun on vacation. I'm sure you've been in those situations before. Um, I mean, I'm not the only crazy one, I'm sure. But um, so we went down and had breakfast. And then, then suddenly, without warning, and almost instantly, the fog began to lift. And we could, like, barely see it out the window. And so, like, I... I'm a little embarrassed. Like, I abandoned my breakfast. Like, David, David reminded me uh, this week that I actually abandoned all of them, just left, just left my family behind, <laughs> and, and ran up on deck, because I didn't, I didn't want to miss it. I, I, I wanted to experience it in case the fog came back, right? And, 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 like, and the reality is, like, because of the fog, we didn't, like, creep into the beauty, like, see it coming from far off. It was like, all of a sudden, we were there, and the curtains parted, and we could see all of it, and, like, hundreds of miles in every direction. And it was, I mean, it was just absolutely stunning. And I know, it's just a silly story. Like, who cares? Some of you are like, well, good for you, Nathan. I'm glad it all worked out, right? I mean, I get that, okay? I know. And, and for the big stuff, I mean, that is pretty. You got to admit, that's pretty great. Um, but for the, like, the big stuff, the stuff that matters, life doesn't often work out that way. I know that. And the reality is, you might be stuck in the fog for a while a while longer. But here's the point, friends. When God speaks comfort, if we're listening with faith, I mean, it's like that, that silly moment on that boat, right? I mean, the beauty was there, I just couldn't see it. And we have to believe by faith that God is still there even when we can't see him. And when he speaks comfort, when you, when you hear his subtle voice, even if it's the tiniest whisper to you, and he says, comfort my child, even if nothing changes in your circumstances, it is as if the fog lifts, right? And you begin to see all that's been hidden when you hear his voice. I mean, this is why Isaiah says, like, the climax for him is behold your God. Look at him. See him. See the one who comes to make a home with us. Our fierce warrior who fights for you. Our tender shepherd who weeps with you. And friends, it is a, it is a promise to his people. And he whispers it to you now. I have what you're looking for. The comfort that you need. And one day, the fog will lift and you and I will be washed in a beauty that far surpasses it all. Lord Jesus, come quickly. Let's pray. God, you have to do this work. Even as I, even as I think about what, what goes on in my own heart and, 
knowing the stories of so many sitting out here, only you can speak this comfort. And so, God, I pray that you would take these ancient words written so long ago, and would you take these words spoken by someone so broken as me, and would you, would you root them deep into our hearts? I pray that we would hear your still, quiet voice whispering to us your love, your tenderness, your forgiveness, and your everlasting hope. Give us the comfort we're desperate for, we pray. Amen. What good news it is that no matter, no matter the, the mountains or the shadows that we create or find ourselves um, behind no matter the, the walls or the lies that we create or are or, or, or guilty of, we have a good news that, that God is a God of all comfort who will pursue us, as Nathan said, that, that will remove the mountains that stand before us to come before us and to comfort us in our affliction. And I, and I hope that this was a comfort to you because, we, again, we don't know the burdens and the weights that we bring into this place. But what we do know is that God meets us in our affliction who comforts us and he calls us and he comforts us so that we might be a comfort to others. And so in light of that truth, I wanna share our, our benediction uh, from, from 2 Corinthians. But before we do, just as we, as we head out from this place, I encourage you to continue to, to join us uh, this Advent season as we continue to explore the, the comfort we find in our God who meets us, uh, who draws us and has come to bring us home. Uh, and also, just as a reminder, too, if you, if you want to stop by in the lobby, our, our sign-ups for children's ministry, we encourage you to stop by and chat with some of our leaders if you'd like to learn more about that. And so, uh, so as we leave this place, uh, from being the church gathered to the church scattered, hear these words that beautifully express what it means to be comforted and to comfort. The Apostle Paul says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Amen. Go in peace. Have a great week.